Well, church, today we conclude our series in the study of heaven. I hope it's not the conclusion of your study of heaven, but it concludes this teaching series. And I want to um, remind you of a quote that's been used throughout this series and in other forums here. Randy Alcorn writes, We were all made for a person and a place. Jesus is the person, and heaven is the place. We were made to be in relationship with a person, and we were made to spend eternity with him. That is our Lord Jesus. We're going to be opening the Word of God here in a few minutes, and I would encourage you as our ushers come down the aisle, if you don't have a copy of the Scriptures, that you would take one. I want you to look in the text with me today. You can also follow along in the app. There's a QR code that will show on the screen that will help you get there. You can see our notes and follow along in the text. As we conclude this teaching series, we'll be looking at Revelation 21 and 22. If you're taking one of the copies of the Bible that are being handed out, you'll find that on page 1075. If you're new to the Bible, Revelation is the last book in the collection of 66 books we know as the Bible. And my better instruction might be, instead of trying to find page 1075, just start at the end and flip to the left. It's the last two pages there. The book of Revelation is a unique book. John records and labels his work as both prophetic and apocalyptic. He authored this text from the island of Patmos where he lived in exile, exiled for his faith, alone. This one who followed Jesus, who is known as the one who loved and, and who wrote, wrote such dear letters as 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, you see his heart for his people was exiled for his faith, and God gave him a tremendous vision that he shared with us. The style of writing is unfamiliar to many of us because it's a different genre than many of the other books of the New Testament. You see elements of apocalyptic writing in other places, but this one is unique. It reminds us of the book of Daniel. Rather frequently, I meet people who are confused by this last book of the Bible, and it makes sense. With grand visions of a beast and bulls, of trumpets and seals, of an unfaithful church and a conquering bloody lamb, there's plenty of opportunity to get lost in this vivid imagery of this beautiful book. But it doesn't have to be that way. In fact, the revelation of Jesus as recorded by John has proved tremendously encouraging to Christ's church for the last 2,000 years. These major themes of a conquering king coming to restore all that is broken has offered hope to generations of God's people who suffer the bone-crushing evils and terrors of this world. The hope that one day all that is wrong will be made right by the King of kings and Lord of lords is a thread that has motivated the spread of the gospel for 2,000 years. Facing certain pain, many have turned to these 22 chapters as a source of comfort and hope. I'm grateful for the ministry of thebibleproject.com. Maybe some of you are familiar with it. And I would commend their work to you, especially if you're finding the book of Revelation confusing. They have two 12-minute videos you can watch to just get a bird's-eye view of what's happening in this strange book and, and how can these themes serve to encourage you. Well, this week, I've been given many opportunities. Circumstances have come my way which have caused me, in addition to the assignment of preaching, to lift my eyes up to heaven and to think about what it will be like. Probably one of the funniest moments was when my four-year-old woke me up excitedly. She had followed the dog out onto the deck, and she needed to tell her dad that God had been making cotton candy in the clouds. 
So thank you again to all of you who made cotton candy last Saturday and reminded her of what it looks like. She saw it in creation. Her joy and excitement delighted me. As sure as the sun rises, so too we are sure that Jesus will return. And creation cries out, there is a creator. Look to him. And then on Wednesday, I got the news that someone I love very much was facing certain death. And I tell you this not to evoke an, an emotional response for you, but to remind you of the reality of life, which is that we are all going to die. Apart from Jesus' return and wrapping us up in glory, we all face the certainty of death. I often share at weddings and had opportunity to share recently at a wedding for the bride and groom. My dream for the brides and grooms that I get to pray for and be a part of is that at the end of their lives, that sparkle in their eyes for one another will still be there, sweetened by the challenges of life. And my second dream is that if God would give them children and grandchildren, that their grandchildren would report that, that Papa Jonas and, and Granny Greta showed me Jesus. And so I stand before you as one who has lived that. And I realize how special that is. And I realize for many of you that that's your hope. You stand in the gap of generations of brokenness and you dream of a day that comes when the kids and the grandkids come after you will say, I saw Jesus in that person. In a matter of minutes, maybe days, my granny will see Jesus. And I rejoice in that hope. Our God is good and his mercies are new every morning. We've sung the hope of the gospel. We know the good news that Jesus has come to rescue us who are suffering. In our sick and pain of this sin-sickened world, we have heard from God that there is hope. We know that he has offered us a restored relationship to him through his son by grace through faith that we do not earn this, but it is ours to receive. And we know that in Christ, all who believe in him, as the scriptures speak of, will spend an eternity with him in his presence. So I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 21 and to consider with me what it will be like to spend an eternity with Jesus. Now, I'm going to read a long section of the text, and, and, and for some of us, will be tempted to be distracted. I want to encourage you to close your eyes or focus your eyes on the text. Do something and ask the Lord to give you a fresh vision and a renewed hope of what that future with him will be like. And then after reading the text, I'd like to make five simple observations. They're in your study guide. And one rather simple application that I think will help you prepare for this new day which is coming. Again, on page 1075, or most simply, the last two chapters of the book. John writes, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look! God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and he will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death 
or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write these down. For these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice the magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. And then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and he said to me, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of the heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates and with 12 angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. There were three gates to the east, three on the north, three on the south, and three on the west. The wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates, and its walls. The city was laid out like a square as long as it was wide. He measured the city with a rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length and as wide and high as it is long. The angel measured the wall using human measurement, and it was 144 cubits thick. The wall was made of jasper and the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth ruby, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth turquoise, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were like twelve pearls, each made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was of gold, as pure as transparent glass. I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of light. And then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It was down the middle of the great street of the city, and on each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of lamp or the light of the sun, for God, the Lord, will give them light. And they will reign forever and ever. What a beautiful vision of a certain future. What will it be like to live in the very presence of God for eternity? The first thing I want you to notice in the text is that 
there's going to be this new old city. This city will be the bride of Christ. You, you, you see, the, the beautiful vision of what is to come is the fulfillment of the yearning of the Old Testament prophets. In God's creative order, he called out a people to himself. And he called them to build a city. And this city was to be ordered by the, by the ways and, and means of God. And they were to be a light unto the nations. And all the nations were to be gathered to them that they might see the true Yahweh who created them in their image. But God's people were unfaithful. And it led to his judgment. That city, Jerusalem, was eventually destroyed and they were taken off to captivity. God did not leave them alone. He brought them back. But it was never the beauty of what it had been or what it was dreamed to be. And so God sent his son Jesus, born of a virgin, living a sinless life, fully God, fully man, walked the earth, was tempted in every way, yet was without sin. Rejected by his own, this Jesus was quick to reveal again that the plan of God was that the salvation that he offered was for all people of all time to any who would believe. And as Jesus called out the 12 disciples, they learned that they were no longer to be a geographically centered people of God, but they were to be the people of God who would disperse into all of creation and share the good news that Jesus had come. John's vision here, the major metaphor is the city as a bride adorned for her bridegroom. This city would be a beautiful display of God's loving grace as the people of God are prepared and ushered into a new reality. I mentioned the privilege of serving as an officiant to weddings. One of my greatest joys is talking to the groom the night before and giving him a heads up of what's about to happen. And then I remind him as we stand right there in those moments that are building up and as the tension builds and as the, 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 the bridal party makes their way up, I turn to the groom and I say, remember, you're about to taste something that will happen in the future that will absolutely blow our minds. Because those double doors in, in perfect sequence are burst open and this beautiful bride who's prepared for her wedding day starts down the aisle and we all stand and we rejoice at what God is doing. Brothers and sisters, how much more when the people of God are gathered for eternity as the beautiful and pure bridegroom of Christ. We who believe in the lamb, we are the bride. And God's invitation to the wedding is open to any who will believe. What will it be like to live in the presence of God for eternity? Well, it will be like an old new city. It will be like being at a wedding. But it will also be literally the dwelling place of God among his people. Look at chapter 21, verse 3. You hear this loud voice saying, look, God's dwelling is now among his people and he will dwell with them. You see, there's this excitement, this, this pent up energy here in the text because Ezekiel said this day would be coming, as did Jeremiah and so many other prophets. Listen, listen to the prophet Ezekiel hundreds of years earlier. God says, I will make a covenant of peace with them. It will be an everlasting covenant. I'll establish them and increase their numbers. And I will put my sanctuary among them forever. 
My dwelling place will be with them. I will be their God and they will be my people. And then the nations will know that I, the Lord, I make Israel holy and my sanctuary will be among them forever. This statement, the dwelling place of God with his people, fulfills the prophetic yearning. It's, it's, this, it's this sense of, of completeness to God's story that, that what we had hoped for has come. The prophet Jeremiah says, they will be my people and I will be their God. I will give them singleness of heart and action so that they will always fear me and that all will go well for them and their children after them. I will make an everlasting covenant with them. I will never stop doing good to them and I will inspire them to fear me so that they will never turn away from me. I will rejoice in doing them good and assuredly plant them in this land with all my heart and soul. Brother and sister in Christ, lift up your eyes. Invite your imagination. Can you imagine a day when you will have singleness of heart and action? That, that your only fear will be the fear of, of, of reverence for the holy God. Can you imagine a, a, a time when all will go well for you and for your family? A time when, when your heart will never be tempted or teased to turn away from God. What will it be like to be with God in eternity? It'll, it'll be the fulfillment of all that we've hoped for. And we see in, in Revelation 21, 7 that, that, that we will see, realize that those who overcome really are God's children. Friends, this book was written in the first century after Christ had lived and died and rose again. The church of Jesus was persecuted tremendously. The faithfulness of the people was being tested daily. The sufferings of the people of God were real. And John is writing to them, giving them hope and saying, if you overcome, when you overcome, you will realize the truth that you are God's child. The language of overcoming is prominent in this revelation of Jesus. As it's written to people who are being murdered for their faith, and as John was exiled to a life of loneliness apart from those he loved most, God sent this revelation to encourage those who find themselves in similar situations. One commentator reminds us, and I appreciate his succinctness, he says, it is our repentance and our faith that makes us conquerors. Lest you think that somehow you can earn this sense of conquering and overcoming, it is not yours to earn, it is yours to receive and to walk by faith. Look at some of the descriptions that you see here in Revelation 21, verse 8. The cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars... As we've heard preached in this series, there is a judgment which is to come. And we must be honest about this judgment. We must be sober-minded about this reality that not all will overcome. But all who are in Christ will overcome. And the message of hope that we have from Jesus is worth sharing. There, there's a sense of um, urgency here. There's a sense of, as were some of you... <laughs> I have to confess, as I, I read verse 8, I think, yeah, that, that's, that's me before Christ. 
And my flesh desires to go back to that. May we not. Paul would write in Romans chapter 8, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He goes on to say that Jesus, the one who is raised to life, sits at the right hand of the Father and he intercedes for us. And then he asks this crazy question, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall hardship or trouble, persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sorn? And he says, no, nothing will separate you from the love of Christ. And here we see it being realized. What else will it be like when we spend eternity with God? Well, notice how the nations will walk in the light of God's presence. Verse 24, the nations will walk by its light. The kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. You you see, guys, what, what Jesus had said in Matthew chapter 28 will be fulfilled. We see the early fulfillment of it here in Revelation chapter 21. He told his disciples, he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And we see this being realized. Jesus is with his people and the nations are being gathered. We read about them in in Revelation chapters 5 and 7 and other places from every tribe, nation, and tongue. If you can imagine an ethnic group that exists, God is calling them out in their beauty, to come and to worship the king. Friends, God's creativity will be on full display as his people are gathered from every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. The nations will cultivate and work the garden just as Adam and Eve did in Genesis. Look at verse 27. Nothing impure will ever enter this place, only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. There's a repeating theme here, folks. The only people who will get to enjoy this eternity with Jesus are those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. How is your name written? By trusting in Jesus. And you will overcome. Brothers and sisters, can you imagine a day when every thought you have is pure? Can you imagine a time where there will no longer be those intrusive and, and unwanted thoughts Can you imagine a time when when you'll no longer long for something that you know you shouldn't have? There is a day coming when this will be true. Friends, for you who struggle, do not struggle alone. Join with us in the community of the people of God struggling towards Jesus and aligning ourselves towards his kingdom priorities and working together towards what he wants for us because there is a hope in our future. There is a time coming when addiction will will not be the lead story of our day as it is now. When the sense of despair and hopelessness will not lead the news. When When the leading streaming videos are all about death. Friends, we are a sick people in need of healing from a good God. And there is a day coming when in so many ways we will be set free. I'm reminded as I read this and I have these thoughts of verse 4, there's a day coming when the Lord will wipe every tear from our eyes. No more culture of death, no more dying. 
No more mourning or crying or pain, for this old order of things will certainly pass away. What will it be like when we live in the presence of God? Friends, we will experience healing like we can only imagine. Chapter 22, verses 1 through 5. I know Pastor Andy had shared about the river of life and the tree of life, so I don't feel it necessary to to repeat the things that he shared. They're helpful. This river of life brings healing to all who will drink from us. It reminds us of the words of Jesus. You know, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If anyone believes in me, follow me. You remember these I am statements from the book of John. He's inviting you to life. This tree that brings healing and nourishing will be available to all who have trusted Jesus. He will sustain us through all eternity. We can see in this that there's a sense of time in the new heavens and the new earth because the tree will yield its fruit in season. Down the middle of the great street, verse 2, and on each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. When you hear that word nations being repeated, it's easy for us to think of political movements or like the nations as we understanding the 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 root word there is this ethnos this sense of the people as they've been created in the image of God there will be healing when 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 we get to heaven no longer will we, we feel the need to compare ourselves to another no longer will we feel the need to compete for the resources that God has offered us but there will be healing in a time of war and rumors of war with increasing polarization brother against brother, sister against sister. Now is a time for us to imagine a better day. A time for us to to prepare and, and, and to be careful. To long for a day when the beauty of God will be on full display. This verse, they'll see his face and his name will be on their foreheads, speaks to the intimacy that we'll we'll experience with God. We won't wonder what Jesus looks like. We'll know. Paul would write in his, wrote in his letter to the Corinthians, for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. We will experience a love that we have only just tasted. There will be no more night. John, in his writings, makes much of night and day, light and dark. It's interesting, as you read in the Gospel of John, when Nicodemus came with questions to Jesus, how must I be saved? It happened in the dark. He was afraid of being seen by his brothers of the faith. But at Jesus' crucifixion and burial, it was Nicodemus who met Jesus and laid his body to rest in the light. There will only be light. The old things will pass away, the new things will come. Friends, as I mentioned earlier, I've had tremendous providential meetings this week that I just praise God for his kindness. And I've seen his hand at work. Last Thursday, I got to go to a lunch with some friends that I've always, I've always wanted to experience this with them. I, I, okay, I'll, I'll just let you know. I went to a team maker's lunch. I've heard of you people. I've seen your wear, and I've thought for years, what do they do? And so I got invited, I invited myself. 
And um, I just wanted to see what it was all about. It was amazing. I mean, this group of people, they are legit. They care a lot about what's important to them. And I kept thinking, this is awesome. I want the shirt. Next time I'm wearing yellow or gold. And then I thought, but how much greater the story we have the privilege to tell. It's not bad what they're sharing, but we have something even better. And at that, I was invited to a meeting. This couple, they're in their 80s. They said, Jonas, can we meet with you? Um, We think it's really smart for us to prepare for what happens when we die. We're both 86. And I said, I'd love to. So we met and we spoke with them. Uh, I noticed in their conversation this tremendous love they have for their family. And more than anything, they want those who remember them to know the love they've experienced from Jesus. So they're making plans now. Because death is certain for us apart from the soon return of Jesus. And here's my application for you. Live prepared. Like, get ready. You're going to die. And when you die, you will see your maker face to face. And if you are in Christ, you will be an overcomer. And if you hear my voice and you don't know Jesus yet, I plead with you to receive the love that you can only imagine. And to trust in the faith that he has gifted to you. And here's how simple this is, folks. Like, sidestep maybe, but maybe a bigger point. Have y'all written anything down? Like, please, love your loved ones enough to write some things down. What's been most important to you? What, what do you want done with the things which are yours and which you leave behind? Because um, y'all know this, you don't get to take it with you. And I wish I was funny as some other people, but I'll just tell you the punchline. Because I can't remember the setup. But it was something about, you know, the guy gets to the pearly gates and he's got this, this uh, suitcase full of gold. And St. Peter looks at him and says, what's with all the asphalt? I'm glad it worked. We can't take it with us. So prepare and live ready. Now is the time to study the scriptures well, to know the seasons and the time, to stay close to the word of God and the word of God who is Jesus. We know that his return will be sudden. He has made it clear that like a thief in the night with the thunderous sound of trumpet, the Lord will come and all that is broken will begin being restored. Friends, you and I can have great discussions about what that timeline is going to look like, but what we know for sure is that there will be sheep on one side and goats on the other. There will be those who have trusted Christ and those who don't, and I plead for you that you be found as one who is trusting Christ. Confessing your sins to a holy God, agreeing with him that you're in need of his grace and mercy and beginning the lifelong journey of orienting and reorienting yourself to his kingdom priorities. I love how one preacher said, what risk? We live like, like, like everything's at risk all the time. And there's certainly a place for being wise. There's a whole book or three on it in the Bible. So don't, don't hear me not saying live wise. But brothers and sisters in Christ, if you are in Christ, your greatest risk has been satisfied. When you take your last breath here on this earth, your next breath will be in the presence of Jesus. Do, do not live for things that moth and rust can destroy, but live for the greater things, which is the kingdom of heaven. Another story this week, and I'll, I'll, I'll wind down with this. 
I got her permission to share it. One of the, one of the greatest risks for the preacher's kids is their experiences with their dad because they can get used in a sermon. We woke up way too early on Thursday morning to experience something I like to call going on a walk with a gun. Others call it deer hunting. Most of the deer are safe when I'm hunting. That morning, my daughter and I left the truck and we walked through the shelter belts of trees into a, the edge of a field of sunflowers and, and, and I'm walking with her and, and we've talked about being quiet and all of a sudden she just gasped and she's like, wow. She looks around and I'm thinking, have I never showed her the stars before? In that moment, her breath literally was taken away. She saw the beauty of God's creation and she couldn't help but exclaim, wow. And she said, Dad, do you see this? Friends, how much more our eternity with Jesus? I think if we could speak to our loved ones, and we have testimony certainly here in the scriptures, they would tell us, you have no idea what's waiting for you. Your wow is coming. There is a day which is coming when God will wipe every tear from our eyes. There will be no more death or mourning, crying or pain. This old order of things will pass away. And so I plead with you to live prepared for that day. Because one day we will see God. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for these moments we've shared. Thank you for your word which challenges us, inspires us, gives us hope. Lord, help us to be people who more and more live in awe of what you're doing. God, as we suffer, Lord, strengthen us. Lord, as, as, as we trip and fall and we get wrapped up in the sin that so easily entangles us, Lord, send other believers and by your Spirit, empower us to break free and give us hope. Lord, help us to not too quickly resign ourselves to, to our circumstances, but, but to see beyond. Lord, awaken us to the beauty of the life which is to come and which is even now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.